Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Always good to be in the house of the Lord with fellow believers and brothers and sisters. Um, this is an old song that I'm going to do. And it, from the first time I heard it, it, it just so encouraged my heart. And I know a lot of us, we're at a point in time where we need that encouragement. Amen? We know God is with us. He's always with us. But the Bible says to encourage ourselves daily. And why is that? Because God knows that there's going to be discouragement that could touch us daily. So when I sing this song, I want you to help me by being the choir because you all know it. Okay, so you're going to help me. You're going to help me with this one. Okay, so when you're going through trouble, there's one thing I want you to remember.
praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, come on, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. And when you have it, let's stand for the ring of God's word all over this house. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm actually want to stand for the ring of God's word. Amen. Praise the Lord. We honor God's word by standing. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. For me, a portion of scripture for some. Here begins the ring of God's word. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive it our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's bow our heads in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your spirit that's here. God, we ask that you would now speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. That you, oh God, would, oh God, just give us direction and encouragement and correction, Lord God. Give us comfort this morning. Give us your peace and your joy this morning, Lord. We invoke your presence now, God. We need you to speak to our hearts, Lord. We need to hear a right now word, a rainbow word from you, Lord God. So, Father, I decrease that you might increase, Lord God. And my presence, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So, Father, I thank you and I praise you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Today is a wonderful day. It is August the 31st, 2014. As I look at today, I'm kind of baffled because I'm asking myself, where has the time gone? It just seems like we were in the month of June. And then before that, it was saying we were in the month of January. Now we're coming to just about the close of summer. And as I look back over these just about nine months and see God's faithfulness, I realize he's been with us every step of the way. You can't look back and not realize God's hand in your life because you realize through all of the different things that you've gone through, he's been with you every step of the way. Even through the missteps, even the times that you might have stumbled, even the times you might have had setbacks, he still was with you every step of the way. 
This month we had declared in the beginning of August that this month would be a month of miracles. It was something that Pastor Alverna and I just sensed in our spirit. And I've just heard so many testimonies coming in of unexpected jobs, unexpected pay raises, amen, unexpected scholarships for school. I had a student just email me. She said, Pastor, I got a scholarship, but not just a scholarship. I also got a job. I don't have to pay any any tuition for the whole school year because everything is covered. So we have seen God's miracles. And if you look carefully, you probably will see God's miracle too. He did something specifically and something specially for you this month. So as we just look back, I want us to look back with a heart of gratitude and, and an attitude of, of thanksgiving for all that God has done. All that God has done. As I shared before, we are standing here in a miracle today. And we never ever want to take lightly the miracles and things that God has done. Sometimes as Christians, we could take lightly what he's done. But I think God wants us to have a, a, a reverence and a respect for what he has done. My final installment in dealing with the month of miracles, because, you know, today is the last day of August, but I don't believe the miracles stop today. <laughs> We're about to go into our fall season. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit just really began to minister to my heart this week was really the topic of prayer. The topic of prayer. If we want to see God's power operating in our life, it starts from a place of prayer. Prayer is the very thing that connects us to our Heavenly Father. It's prayer. Prayer is the very thing that God has said. We prayed the prayer of salvation in faith. Prayer is the very thing that gets us from day to day. And the thing is, I think sometimes what the enemy does, he tries to discourage our hearts from praying so that we do not connect with God. Prayer can be something that can be so simple, but yet so complex. We know that we ought to do it, but oftentimes we find ourselves not doing it. We know that we should pray. We know that we should bless our food, you know, before we eat, you know, but sometimes we're halfway through the meal. Oh, I forgot to pray. Father God, just bless that. Just went down and that just still in the plate, Lord. Just We just get so caught up. We know in the morning before we go to work or, or before we start our day or at late at night before we lay our head down to sleep that we should do it, but we struggle to do it. And when we do do it, we struggle to do it consistently. And I, I'm not speaking from a, a place that um, I don't know what I'm talking about because I struggle with prayer myself as a pastor. And so if I can be transparent before you today, I'm here to say that if we're going to see God's miraculous power work in our hearts, we have to be honest about where we are in terms of our prayer life. Your prayer life is the very thing that connects you to God. It's the very thing that causes you to grow. It's the very thing that gives you the breakthrough. It's a very, it's a very vehicle that God uses to connect you to him. If you do not have a prayer life, then you have no connection to God. I heard the mother say, little prayer, little power. <laughs> no prayer, no power. Much prayer, much power. What were they trying to say? They were saying that the more you prayed, the more access you had to God's power working in your life. We see throughout all of scripture that Jesus at times stole himself away to pray. 
The Bible says he even stayed up at times all night to fellowship with his heavenly father. There were times he withdrew himself just to pray and say, enough of y'all, enough of all this right now. I need to go spend time with my father. He went on a prayer retreat. When the last time you went on a prayer retreat? When the last time you took, you turned off the television and, and, and shut down Twitter for a day and spent that time praying? See, the thing is, we, 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 we look, especially we hear testimonies about churches and other places. We hear about these mighty moves of God, these moves of the spirit and people being saved and delivered. But I tell you, every revival has started with a place of prayer. A place of prayer. Prayer is very important. The way this church started was in prayer. It was in prayer. I wasn't thinking about doing what I'm doing now. But it started in prayer. The way God has sustained this ministry is because of prayer. Prayer, 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 prayer. It's not just in the saying, it's in the doing. And I believe that in this next season, we must be grounded as a people in prayer. We must be a people of prayer. We must be a people of prayer. We cannot be afraid or ashamed to pray. We cannot allow life situations to cause us not to pray. Because the trick of the enemy is to get us not to pray. To distract us. To, to cause us to focus inwardly and not to focus on God. So we just read the scripture here in Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 through 13. And what I want to do today is I want to just share five points that come out from the Lord's Prayer. We're all familiar with the Lord's Prayer. We learned it probably in Sunday school. And man, you hear it at weddings. You hear it at funerals. You hear it at church. You hear it on television. The Lord's Prayer. And really, it should really, really be called the Lord's Prayer because, you know, the Lord, the, the Lord didn't need to pray a prayer to himself. It really is the disciples' prayer. It really is a pattern of how we should pray as Christians. It's a pattern for, for prayer. The type of way we're supposed to come into God's presence. First of all, when you pray, you don't just walk into God's presence. Hey, God, I'm here. What's up? I'm here. This is it. We don't come to God. You wouldn't go before President Barack Obama with that type of attitude. You would come with, 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 with homage and respect. If you would go to, to the Queen of to, to visit the Queen of England, you can't say, yo, 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 what's up? She's royalty. There's a way that you have to approach her throne. And God is no less. There's a way that you have to approach his throne. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come before his courts with praise. I just can't come in any type of way. I must come in with a praise on my lips. I must come in with an attitude of gratitude. If I come with it with, with, with a spirit of entitlement, God is not going to look at me because he said you're being, you, you being, you, you, you being prideful. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You have to humble yourself when you go into God's presence. So the first thing I want to leave with you today is it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed it be your name. That word hallowed means holy is your name. That means your name is set apart from any other name. There's no name like your name, Lord. Our Father who art in heaven, the one who is exalted, the one who is on high, hallowed be your name. So the first point is you need to seek God's presence with an attitude of worship. In other words, you have to come before God's presence 
with reverence and respect for who he is. For who he is. Seek God's heart with a worshipful attitude. An attitude of worship. Holy is his name. That means he's consecrated. That means he's, he's pure. That means there, there, there is no one like him. He is set apart from all of the rest. An attitude of prayer. That's what God wants us to have today. An attitude of prayer. An attitude of prayer. An attitude of prayer. This must become a personal practice for us. Seek God's presence with a worshipful heart. The second thing that I want to leave with you today, I'm just going to run through them. It says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, it sounds good what I just read. But the truth of the matter is, there is this dichotomy happening. There is this, this, this division happening. Because you're saying, when you pray that prayer, and this is the model that Jesus gave us, that we should pray as a church, as individuals, he's saying that you are setting God's priorities over your own. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In other words, God, I'm seeking your priorities over my own priorities. So even if the thing that I'm praying for is not your will, I still want your will. Even if you're not going to answer the situation the way I want you to answer the situation, still your will be done. Sometimes we pray prayers, but we don't understand what we're praying. Lord, I want you. I, I, Lord, I want this to be my husband. I want this one to be my husband. But he jacked up. He ain't even trying to serve the Lord. Save him, Lord. Save him, Lord. Jesus, save him. Save him. Save him. Save him. But you said, nevertheless, not my will. But that will be done. That's not an easy prayer to pray. We say it so lightly. Our Father, heaven be the name that kingdom come that will be done. We don't understand what we're saying. We say it's not my will, it's your, if you choose not to give me that job, if you choose not to heal my body the way I want you to, if you choose not to change my circumstance, not my will, but your will be done. I'm setting your priorities over my personal priorities. Because I know your will is what's best for me. See, we think we have a plan that we're going to tell God how we want it. We think it's Burger King. I want some fries and some pickles and make it beat them rare. I, I don't like a dry burger. And we're telling God how we want it. And God has said, no, 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 no. I know what's best for you. See, you know, see, you think you know what you want, but I know what you need. I know what you need. And I'm learning. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not coming up here because I'm the pastor and I'm professing that I have it all together. And I learned to trust the Lord in every area of my life. No! I'm in process just like you're in process. Nobody will arrive to the day they close their eyes and see the Lord. There are times where I'm like, God, no, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it this way. And God say, Arthur, we're going to have a tug of war because you know I'm going to win every time. I don't care how big you are. You know I'm going to win. I'm God. 
Now I have to say, okay, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is already set in the heaven. It's just being made manifest in the earth. In other words, it's already set in the spirit realm. It's already set in the heavenly. Remember, there's no time in heaven. There's no, what time is it now? There's, there's no 12 o'clock. There's no, there's, there's no time in heaven. That's eternity. It's no time in heaven. God speaks from eternity into now, into existence. That's why God can say something to us now. And he'd be like, tomorrow I'm going to bless you. But what's tomorrow in from heaven? There ain't no tomorrow in heaven. It's just heaven. There's no sense of time. That's why sometimes when people prophesy, say God's going to move you quickly, he's going to move you soon. Soon might be three years. And you think it's going to be three days. I got promised we're going to get a church building, what, five years ago, six years ago. It's going to happen sooner than you think, sooner than you think. We had to go through a process to get here. Your husband's ready around the car. I see him. I see the ring on your finger. I see he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's like, well, Lord, it's been 10 years. We, you said you're going to do it soon. What's going to happen? That's a long corner for God to come around. That's right. God taking his sweet on time. But when you say, Lord, not my will, your will, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He is setting up his kingdom here on earth through you. He's setting up his priorities, his will, his purpose through you. That does not happen overnight. It is a process. It is a process. I said, Lord, I'm getting all this from the Lord's Prayer. That's been here for how many decades? How many centuries? And it's right here. We wonder why it takes so long. Because he's setting up his kingdom on the earth. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. The Bible says, but Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. If you seek God first, he knows what you stand in need of. Your priority is to make him the top of your priority. When you put God first, everything else will fall in line. The moment that I started thinking about, Lord, who's going to be my wife? Who's going to be my wife? Guess what walked in the picture? My wife. Because I took the focus off her. Who, whoever she's going to be, Lord. Where is that one? Is that one? Is that one? I like her. Okay, I like this. Okay, look, forget. Okay, Lord, forget the wife. I want you, Lord. As soon as I said that, here comes Sister Alverna walking in the sea, strutting her stuff, round the orphan basket, going round. She's still strutting to this day. When you put God's priority over your own, he'll give you everything that you stand in need of. Even the things that you don't think you deserve. Even the things that you would think you could even obtain or have, he will give it to you. But you have to trust him. God is not some mean God that he's trying to cause you trouble and make you suffer. That's not his will. That's not the God I serve. The God I serve is a loving God. He is a merciful God. He's a kind God. And when you put your priorities 
under his priorities and allow him to have the final say so he'll bless you every time can i get an amen on that amen third point i want to say is to say give us today our daily bread our daily bread as a child i say our daily bread i'm like is that wonder bread what what are they talking about because i didn't understand what bread meant now that i'm older of course we know that bread means provision give us today our daily provision in other words give me what i need for today Give me what I need from today. Will you, will you re-give us this day our daily bread? You, you, the, 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 the symbolism is brought back to when the children were in, the children of Israel were in the desert. And the Bible says God gave them manna every morning. If they tried to save the manna for the next day, guess what would happen? It would spoil and maggots would be in it after one day. God says, I want you to trust me every day for your daily provisions. I don't want you to say, I pray a prayer for the whole week and I'm covered. I don't have to pray for the rest of the week. No, no. He says, I want to have a relationship with you. So I want you to come to me daily for your daily provisions. Give us this day our daily bread. See, the problem is some of us are hungry spiritually because we have not asked God for our daily bread. We got daily bread on Sunday, but Monday we fasting. And then Tuesday, we barely asked for a little half a loaf. And then by Wednesday, we are like, what is going on? Why do I feel like this? Because you have not received your daily bread. You're getting your bread delivered every other day. And it's hot, fresh from heaven every morning. The provisions are there. You just have to go and seek it. It's like open up a mailbox and get some mail. If you don't, if you don't go to the mailbox, you'll never get your package. It's there every morning. You just have to ask, give us today. Someone said, give us today. Our daily bread. Yeah, you have to seek God's provision for your daily needs. Seek God's provision for your daily needs. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's going to meet every need. He promised he would. He promised he would. See, we have to learn how to hold God to his word, to his promise. And the minute something goes wrong, we're ready to give up and throw in the towel. We'll say, Lord, what you said... Your word says that you should give me my daily bread. I'm give us my daily give me my daily bread. Your word says that you should meet all of my needs according to your riches and glory. And God is rich, trust me. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. A cattle on a thousand hills belong to the Lord. It all belongs to Jesus. We should have to be in a place where, we, where we're begging. He said, no, pray. Come, come with confidence. Lord, give me today my daily provisions. Your daily provisions means your bills. That means food on your table. That means your rent paid. Come on. You need to hold on to God's promise and give me today my daily bread. Give me the very thing that I stand in need of today. If it means touching my marriage, if it means touching my body, give me today my daily bread. Give me the, the thing that will sustain the needs that I have. Whatever your need is, give me, Lord, my daily bread. These are the things that are necessary for me for survival. Give me what I need for survival. Give me what I need for survival. Some of you need some, some of you have some physical needs. God, give me what I need. 
Give me my daily bread. Give me my provision that I need for today. Scripture says you have not because you ask not. God is not a mind reader. He wants you to talk to him. He wants to have a relationship with you. Fourth thing, Matthew 7, 12 says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In other words, I'm seeking God's pardon for my sins. So sometimes we forget to repent. The Bible says if you regard iniquity in your heart, he cannot hear from you. And we wonder sometimes why things are tied up or why things are taking so long because there's sin. Your thing. See, there are different types of, of, of sin. There are sins that we know of, sins of, of commission. Those are the things that we rightfully do. We know we're wrong. You know, we drive on the highway and someone cut us off. We say, you blankety blank, blank, blank. Oh, God. And he's like, I should have said that. And you just keep on. You don't really repent about it. Because repentance means to change your mind. Repentance is not saying, I'm sorry. That's not repentance. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, repentance means I'm changing my attitude, my mindset about the very thing that I did so I won't do it anymore. Because we always, I'm sorry, Lord, I didn't mean to sleep with him again. I'm sorry, Lord, I didn't mean to do that, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord. And God's like, okay, but that's not repentance. Repentance means to be restored, to come back to the top from when you have fallen. It means to change your mind uh, about something. So these, that's a sin of, of commission. You do it willfully. But then there's a sin, what we call a sin of omission. These are sins that we don't even realize that we have committed against God. And so there are omission, or, or sins of omission that pile up and we don't realize that the very things that have offended God, we don't even know that we have really offended his Holy Spirit. Because we didn't realize the things that we said, the things that we did, the way we acted, grieved God. Sometimes the way we can, and I, the, Lord, the Lord had checked me on this when I first got married. Sometimes when we talk to our spouse, those who are married or whatever, and your wife will say, hey honey, what's up? What? What do you want? Come on, what now? What now? <laughs> What? I'm watching TV. And then you just keep on doing whatever. And then I go in prayer and the Holy Spirit was like, I didn't like the way you responded to your wife. I'm like, excuse me? He said, you know that's my daughter too. I'm like, all right, God, you got it, you got it. I'm sorry, Lord, I repent. I repent. <laughs> and women too. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Come on now. With the and the attitude and the, the cold shoulder. Come on now. Come on, your husband try to connect with you. You playing possum in the bed. Oh. Did I go there? Oh. Oh. And let the married people say amen. 
<laughs> Seek God's pardon for your sins. Sometimes we don't realize the things that we do offend the presence of God. So whether you know that you did it or you realize that you have done it, you must ask God to forgive me of my debts as I have also forgiven those who have trespassed against me. You can't receive God's forgiveness unless you, uh, uh, if, if you don't share God's forgiveness. And I mean that people who have wronged you, who have done you wrong, you have to release them as well. Because how can you expect God to show you grace and mercy for your junk and the stuff that you've done, but yet you cannot show the same type of grace and mercy to those who have harmed you and wronged you. The grace that God has given to you, it should be extended through you to all. You should be a conduit of God's grace, a conduit of God's forgiveness, a conduit of God's mercy. It should shine forth through you. If you cannot release the people that have harmed you, that have hurt you, then God cannot release you from yourself. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 If we confess it, if we're honest about it, if we're truthful about it, if it's a habit, Lord, be honest with them. Lord, I like doing this thing. I like this, Lord. This makes me feel good. Be honest with him about what you're going through. Lord, take the taste of it from me. Take the desire. Take it from me. I remember I heard someone who was testifying about smoking cigarettes and they just had such a craving. It would just come upon them and they would just want to, and, and they had to be honest, Lord, I like smoking. I love it, God. It just, when people get on my nerve, I can just go outside and just light one up and just, just, it's like let it off that stress, Lord. I love it, God. It just makes me feel good. But God, I know that my temple is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I know that this is not good for me. I need you to help me. If, I need you to deliver me. If you say you'll deliver, deliver me. Take this craving away. Take the desire. Take the hunger from it. God, help me. Fill me up in this void. Fill me. Help me, Lord. And what did God do? God delivered. God set free. Well, you're honest with God. God will be honest with you. When you're real with God, God will be real with you. Will you submit yourself to him and are honest about your sins and honest about your shortcomings? He will be honest and he will help you. But you got to be real. You got to be honest with him today. My last point is a powerful point. It says, lead us not into temptation. God doesn't deliver. God doesn't lead us into temptation. But deliver us from evil. Another version said the evil one. The New Living Translation says, do not let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Seek God's power to overcome temptation. Whatever you're facing, now temptations come in many forms and different shapes and, and different sizes. Every, every temptation is, is, is different. 
And, the, the, and, and if you fall from a temptation, all the repercussions are different. But nonetheless, it still is a temptation. Seek God's power to overcome temptation. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has seized you except which is common to man. So if you're struggling with something, ain't you ain't the only one struggling with it. If we all began to get a microphone and confess some of the things that we're struggling with, we were like, oh, you too? I thought I was the only one. Because there is no temptation that has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So if you're going through the temptations because God wants to give you the grace to overcome the temptation. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. He's giving the strength to overcome the temptations that you face. You say, Pastor, well, I keep falling back into this, this habit. I keep falling back into this mindset. I keep falling back into this same situation. I'm here to say that if you're being tempted by it, God can give you the, the, the grace and the power to overcome it. If you keep stumbling and falling, it's because you're not relying on God's power. Seek God's power to overcome temptation. You need the power of God to help you to break those habits. You need the power of God to help you to say no when your flesh wants to say yes. You need the power of God to strengthen you, to help you. You cannot do it without God's power. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, he will also, hear this, provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. He will provide a way out. In every temptation, there is a backdoor exit. The question is, are you going to choose the backdoor exit? Well, Pastor, how do I get to the back door exit? How do I get out of this? When the smoke starts filling the room, I don't know what I need to do. I'm just surrounded by all this smoke, and I just feel like I'm overwhelmed. But I remember something in grade school where we had fire drills. They said, when you see smoke in the building, what's the first thing you're supposed to do? Stop, drop, and roll. In other words, you need to get low. In other words, you need to get down on your face. In other words, you need to get in prayer. And the good thing when you get low, you know what they said when I was in grade school? They said, wherever the smoke is blowing towards, that means there is an exit there. Because the draft is sucking the smoke out. But if you're standing in the smoke, you can't see where the smoke is going. But when you get low, you can see where the smoke is exiting and that's your way of escape. See, the problem with temptation is because we don't pray. So we don't get the power to help us to overcome, to get out of the circumstance of the situation. We just walk in there, we just get more blind and more blind and don't see nothing. And bump our head up against the wall and he said, oh man, I did it again. I didn't mean to do it this time. But if you would stop and pray, say, Lord, give me the strength, show me the strategy, how to get out of this circumstance, how to get out of this situation, you'll see the smoke go, oh, that's the way of escape. Let me get out of here. He said he'll provide a way out so that you can stand up under it.
He wants you to stand. He wants you to stand up under it. Not be succumbed to it, but to stand up over it. Seek God's power to overcome every temptation. Prayer is just simply communicating with God. That's the only thing it is. It's just simply exposing your heart to God's heart. And I encourage you, the more that you do it, the more that you pray daily. Look, prayer is not about the quantity. It's about the quality. Time. I don't care if you pray five minutes a day. I don't care if you pay. I know a prophet that pays three hours a day. I don't care how long you pray. It's not about that. Oh, I pray three hours. Ooh, I get a, I get, I get a merit badge for the three-hour prayer warrior. Woo! No, it's not about that. It's about the quality of time that you spend with the master. Are you spending time with the master? Are you spending time with Jesus? Jesus lived a life and set an example for us. He constantly prayed. Sometimes we're so stuck and sometimes we go through life because we don't know how to seek God's will. One of the things that I learned when I first came to church, it was a word. Everybody said the word travail. Yeah, travail, travail, travail. I got to a point in my spiritual life when I first got saved. When I first got saved, man, first of all, it was like fire falling from every time I prayed. Because you know when you're baby in Christ, you're excited. And whoa, anytime you pray, you're like, man, I feel God's presence. I feel the Holy Ghost. Man, I feel the anointing of God. I feel his tangible presence all around me. But then it got to a point where I didn't feel that no more. Now I'm looking at everybody else and they eat up a sign and praising God and running around the church. And I'm like, well, I ain't feeling that. What's up with me? Did I do something wrong, Lord? Are you not hearing me anymore? Please show me, Lord. And I remember I went to an elder in the church. He said, Arthur, there's a word I have for you. And that word is travail. I said, what is travail? What does that mean? He said, means that you wait in the presence of God. You wait until something happens. He said, sometimes we're so close to getting our breakthrough, but because we lack patience and we don't travail, we miss it. He says, it's, like it's almost like I have this blessing above your head. And the more you're waiting and praying, it's getting lower and lower and lower. But you don't see it. But it's about to just explode on you. But you don't see it. it's getting lower and lower, right over your head. But then you're like, oh, nothing's going to happen. Then I give up. And then it drops and you miss, you miss your moment. When you learn how to travail in prayer, be patient in prayer, wait before God's prayer, wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen that heart. The problem is we don't know how to wait on the Lord. We expect, say a little Lord's prayer, okay, it's done, amen, boom, I'm done, I'm done. No, we have to learn how to travail in his presence. Some of us are newbies, so you know, after 10 minutes, you know, we lose our attention span and you know, like, okay, Lord, alright there's, there's a lot for me and that's okay And but you keep building your time up with God but it's some of us who know how to travail but we haven't done it in a while when the last time you travailed when the last time you had your own personal all night prayer well you gotta wait for the church to have a person so you can pray for yourself when the last time you shut off that telephone 
When the last time you, you, you turned down a plate and really fasted and prayed? I'm not talking about missing breakfast so I did got a little favor. I'm talking about when you said, God, as the deer panted for the water brook, so my soul thirsts for the living God. I'm talking about when the last time you've been desperate enough to say, God, if you don't bless me, I cannot make it. God, if you don't heal me, I cannot make it. God, if you don't give me the breakthrough, I won't survive. God, if you don't send provision now, it's not going to happen. When the last time you've been in that place where you really needed God? When you've really been hungry for him and desperate? When is that time? Why does it always seem when something is wrong is the time that we want to get real spiritual? You got no jobs and I got to pray, Lord, help me, help me, God, provide, 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 provide. Well, you should have been doing that all along. Lord, I got this sickness in my body. The doctor gave me a bad report. God, touch me, touch me, touch me, touch me. We should ask the God to touch you all along. God wants us to connect with him in this season. He wants us to trust him in this season. Musicians, you can begin to minister your instruments. Because we're going to go into a time of prayer today. We're going to start here today. But it shouldn't stop here today. It shouldn't stop here continue when we have Thursday prayer this week. But it should be something that should be ongoing. It shouldn't be when you only need something that you pray. It should be, Lord, I just want to just come in your presence just to say thank you today. I just want to thank you for waking me up today. God is calling us back to a place of prayer. Hallelujah. He's calling us back to a place where we can really connect with them. Some of you are married. When last time you pray with your spouse? Some of you can't even pray with your spouse because it's hard for you to connect. You didn't make an effort. I'm going to take two. If it's just two minutes, I'm going to pray with my spouse this week. Y'all going through the same stuff and arguing, complaining about everything, and you get on his nerves, she get on your nerves. Y'all need to pray. It's a spiritual assault against the enemy. He's coming against you. You got to link your arms and say, devil, you're not going to take my home. You're not going to take my marriage. You're not going to take my children. You're not going to take my future. God wants us to come back to a place of prayer. The only way you're going to survive is through prayer. Prayer brings illumination. It opens up your eyes to possibilities. It allows you to see things that you never saw before and experience things you never experienced before. But it starts in a place of prayer. It starts with you being honest with God. It starts with you being honest about where you are. Not what people think you are, not where you want to be, but where you are. Some of us are in some bad places spiritually right now. And only prayer is going to get you out of that pit. Only prayer is going to get you out of that hole. Only prayer is going to bring the deliverance that you need to take you to your next level. And God, who am I talking to this morning? You keep falling back in the same mindset over and over because you're not praying. 
said, Pastor, I am praying, but you're not praying fervently. And Pastor, I'm praying fervently, but you're not praying effectually. The effectual, fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. Are your prayers fervent? Are your prayers effective? Are you praying with hearts? Are you just whispering mere words that you heard somebody else say? Sometimes I, I, I get scared that the body of Christ has just become a place of professional Christians. And what I mean by that is that we know all the right things to say, all the right songs to say, but we have no power. eloquent in our worship eloquent in our display to God but we have no power when I pray I want to see mountains move when I pray I want to see demons back up when I pray I want to see breakthroughs happen I want to see healing I want to see salvation I want to see miracles this is the season that God wants to take the church in where his power can flow where the glory of God can be revealed because there is a people at the gathering church who are praying who are calling on the name of the Lord who are believing God for great things the only way this church will grow if we don't pray, we gotta pray God is calling us today. He's calling us today. He's calling us. If you feel the wooing of his spirit, would you just come to the altar so we can pray together as a family? I'm done. Lord, make us a house of prayer. Make me a house of prayer. May the fire on my altar never burn out. Make me a house of prayer. Make me a house of prayer. Make me a house of prayer, God. God, you said we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Make me a house of prayer. Make me a house of prayer. The fire on my altar never burn out. May the passion and the zeal that I have for you never burn out. Make me a house of prayer. Just begin to talk to him right now.
you pray today. Make me a house of prayer. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Make me a house. Make me a house of prayer. We need your glory in this house. We need your glory in this house. 